Hello and welcome to Cage Club. Two fans, 76 movies, one cage. Today's movie is The Runner from 2015. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And this one, we finally got to a movie that came out while Cage Club was a thing. (laughs) That we finally kind of, in a sense, caught up, even though this is a few months old. But hey, we sort of did it. Hooray for us. It's, it's been a journey, and it is pretty interesting. This, this came out after Cage Club started, so good on us. This movie is super, super, super weird. Um, <laughs> not like weird, like intentionally weird, just weird in that it almost feels like a biopic or a biopic. I'm not sure how you want to pronounce that. I don't know what our Cage Club definition of that or pronunciation of that is. It's like telling this guy's life story... Did you get that sense at all? Like, it was sort of just like, it's got to be based, I mean, it's based on real events. I don't know if it's based on a person. I didn't find that in my research, but I didn't look too hard. Did you get the sense that it was sort of like biopic in feel and in scope? Well, I definitely got a docudrama type vibe going on. You know, like, even if it's not about or based on a real person, this is definitely just sort of one of those close to home, real issues ripped from the headlines, you know, the BP oil spill tragedy. So I think it's just trying to feel real, you know, and in doing so comes off a little bit like this person seems to really exist, but I don't think he does. I think it's sort of a Lord of War situation, maybe a conglomerate or an amalgam of people like this. Maybe. I mean, this movie, so basically the story is that the BP spill happens and Cage is a local congressman representing Louisiana, and he's living in D.C., I think, right? And he's saying how how terrible this is, about how we need help, we need funding, we need support, we need all this different stuff. Then he goes down there, and while he's down there, he gets caught in this sort of sex scandal. He's compromising and caught on (laughs) tape making out with this girl in an elevator, and we'll get into that a little bit later, because the whole, like, connotation of that, I'm not sure why it was such a big deal. Like, they were, <laughs> we'll get into that later, but they were, like, putting a lot of details on, like, what the thing was, instead of just the fact that he was cheating on his wife. He resigns and then decides to run for Senate, and there's, like, a whole thing. So it feels like a story that we've heard before, at least in the news, you know what I mean? Like, ripped from the headlines, politicians with sex scandals mm-hmm. all the time, resigning from office... I don't know that necessarily any of them resigned from office and then decided to run again. Seems like, I mean, the movie ends on sort of an ambiguous note, but seems like he's in good shape maybe to win. Like, it seems like the public is sort of behind him once again. I'm not sure if that kind of story has been told in real life, but this movie feels like it could have happened, and setting it in a place where we were very familiar in Louisiana and New Orleans and set around a real-life event that everybody knows, it gives it a whole sort of authentic, like you said, I think, docudrama kind of feel. Yeah, I I can't believe we're back in New Orleans again, if I just may. I mean, (laughs) this is the seventh time. The saga continues. This is a box set at this point, and I'm loving it. Also, we get Cage doing an accent the whole movie, you know? He's sort of got a bit of that southern twang. He goes in and out of it, though, a little bit. Yeah, he drifts. It's there, but it's not always there. (laughs) I think that might uh, have something to do with, you know, he's down in Louisiana, sort of, he's the people's champion in a way, right? He's like the congressman who's talking to the fishermen, who's fighting for the people, and he's like, you know, they went through Katrina, and now this, they're getting, like, shit on. And then he goes back to Washington to actually, you know, be on TV and do all that, and, you know, like Cage does with his characters, kind of puts on the accent 
content when he needs it and when he doesn't in, at times. And I feel he sort of uses it in that way somewhat in this film. I don't, I don't know if it's choice or if I'm just pulling that out. But yeah, you're right. This is definitely sort of like I feel like the Paul Schrader film where it's like all these little things that are going on at the time in Congress with politicians, you know, the scandal, the personal lives. I think we, I mentioned to you earlier and you sort of agree that it got like a bit of that House of Cards or maybe almost like a yep. three-part miniseries feel to it, you know? I'm not even afraid to say like in a way it feels a bit like propaganda as well, not not as hard per se as Left Behind because <laughs> I actually believe in this agenda to a degree, you know, like this is an environmental agenda. It's an actual cause worth fighting for, but it doesn't always come across entirely fair. Maybe that's part of the message of the movie. I don't want to give it too much credit. <laughs> no. But yeah, it was pretty interesting. Like this movie essentially becomes like a comeback story. And that was strange. I mean, like, it's a comeback story, it's a message movie, it's a relationship drama between him and his wife, sort of not really trying to salvage the marriage, but trying to figure out kind of what to do next. It's kind of a relationship movie as he starts a relationship with Sarah Paulson. All these, you know, it's kind of like a father-son movie at times. Like, I think that there's just too much going on, and I really like different parts of this, and I think a lot of it works to some extent. But I don't know that it necessarily all works well together just because there's so much going on. I know that it sort of all makes sense within the one story they're telling. And really, I feel like the movie's just saying, hey, you don't really need to care about everything that's going on. Be where Cage is in the scene. Because he's kind of like yeah. in every scene, in every shot almost, right? Yeah. That it's like whether he's with his wife or with Sarah Paulson or with the cheerleading coach, the, the woman that he sleeps with, or if he's with his father or if he's with the guy from BP or whoever he's with. We're just following him around. And so it's sort of like we're almost a fly on the wall. It's like a day in the life. I don't know that it necessarily works if you look at it in any other way than that. If you're just sort of following it as like this guy's fall from grace and sort of a road back or attempt to get back into the, the good graces of the public, then I think it could kind of work. Other than that, I think it's just too overstuffed with too many things going on. I definitely agree with everything you just said there. And part of the lack of focus to this film is perhaps the message getting in the way. And what I mean by that is there's a lot to be angry about or there's a lot of issues going on and they want to get to all of it. They want to not just make the movie about the BP oil spill, which it very well could maintain 90 minutes of guy in Congress fighting through legislation and, you know, sure. pulling strings and doing that but they also want to address you know alcoholism and family issues and these cheating scandals and non-profit organizations and you know what else do we have in it? we have lobbyists from big oil <laughs> i mean you know what i'm saying like it's just like it's a little too much for me i get the point with one or two of these threads but i don't need all of this and i think part of the problem here and i think you mentioning house of cards is relevant mostly because he's a politician down south he's sort of at times it feels like he's acting like kevin spacey as frank underwood uh his wife in this movie is kind of like claire underwood in a way you know she's this well put together blonde woman sort of able to speak for herself, kind of a rock behind this politician. The problem with that is that House of Cards does it better, and it also has 13 hours per season to tell the story yeah. instead of 90 minutes. And without spoiling House of Cards too much, this movie hits a lot of beats that House of Cards hits. And I mean, they're beats that are hit in a lot of dramas, you know, in terms of relationship struggles or in terms of cheating or whatever. 
it feels like at times the writer-director Austin Stark is sort of drawing a little too much inspiration from that and saying, like, oh, okay, like, Cage is Frank Underwood, sort of. I mean, he's not ascending the ranks of whip to vice president to president or whatever, but he's ascending the ranks from congressman to senator or attempting to, just sort of plucking a few too many details and a few too many storylines from House of Cards, and it just feels rushed and just sort of jam-packed. House of Cards has become just like a really good model for what to do with political drama and intrigue and stuff. But the problem is this character doesn't really fit the motif of things going on in House of Cards in the sense that that show is quite sinister. And, you know, the characters on that show are pretty evil. This character is a nice guy, you know, and even when he's screwing up, they sort of the movie makes a point of not really blaming him entirely or at least showing that he he's aware that he's a bad person and trying to fix his life. So I just think that what he's trying to apply from that show isn't quite appropriate in this instance to tell this this story. Yeah, because like this guy is a good guy. The only fault that he really has is that he cheats on his wife once. The way that they introduce this cheating scandalous event or whatever, the wife sits him down and is just like, oh, like how you slept with that cheerleading coach. And I'm like, wait, does she know about this affair? Or is she talking about an earlier affair or what? But it's this fair. Like, we find out that later, we, like, the next scene we see the girl in, or the woman in, she's coaching cheerleaders. Like, oh, okay, that's you. That's definitively who she's talking about. So really, the only flaw that Cage has is that he cheats on his wife seemingly once. And I mean, maybe, I feel like I might, I might be misremembering it. Do they allude to, like, previous instances of infidelity or no? Well, I caught one possible throwaway line where Wendell Pierce returning again here um from long time long time over 20 years ago in a while but he's returning here as cage's confidant i'm not quite sure what his job is yeah works for cage in some capacity but he's like hey you made the paper like you should run for senate and he says something like keep it buttoned up or you know something and i'm like oh i think that means cage sort of has a problem with like women like he strays like i think that's a sign that like okay if we're gonna do this you can't like screw up your marriage or whatever However, it's not like the cheating, it bothers the wife, but she's more interested in political gain. So by the end of the film, she's willing to sort of forget all about it as long as Cage does pretty much what, you know, she wants him to do and run under her thumb or whatever's going on there. But it's strange. That's why it just sort of feels like, oh, these are sort of things that politicians can run into to sort of divert their career. Maybe they wanted to tell that type of story <laughs> it just i think it just goes for us it just goes to show like it's not very necessary to tell this story you know i right. mean if he's an alcoholic i think that would have been a more interesting thread to and, and also sort of enough right just yes. enough like you don't need so he cheats on his wife and he's 16 years sober when she leaves him he then goes back to drinking and so it's not like the drinking chased the wife away. It was the wife leaving. So it's like he has a problem with alcohol, but it's not the main problem. The main problem was that he cheated, and that, that led to the alcoholism. But even like later in the movie, like if that, that sort of comes and goes a little bit. And he sort of like as he has these moments, he sort of goes back to the bottle a couple times. But like his only real one problem is that he cheated on his wife. And that's like other than that, you know, he's this guy who like seems to genuinely care about the people that he represents genuinely wants to help the world, genuinely wants to make sure that this BP oil spill is taken care of. Yes, he's using this sort of as a springboard to become a senator, but I don't think that he's necessarily doing it. Like, that's not why he's doing it. His confidant or whoever, you know, his consultant, you know, Sarah Paulson, these people are like, 
hey, you know, you could really use this to leverage in something more. Like, that's not, like, he's not like some kind of scummy, greedy politician. And so it's sort of weird. You're right, like, Frank Underwood on House of Cards is a terrible, terrible person. And if you watch the trailer for the new season, that's only a minute long, and it's basically him giving a presidential address or whatever, they keep cutting back and forth, like, all the things he's done wrong, you know, people he's hurt, people he's killed, women he slept with and cheated on his wife with, whatever. He's a terrible, terrible person, which kind of makes him interesting. Here, Cage is just sort of like a bland, just a generally good guy, and it's just like, oh, okay, so he cheated on his wife once, and then his life fell apart. And that's sort of it. It's kind of like lacking oomph, sort of. I think you nailed it. Like, he's just too good. He's like a saint, actually. And I think that's why, for me, this came across somewhat like uh, propaganda, like something young nonprofits will run this movie for new interns when they're going up against, you know, the oil companies or something. I don't I don't know why, but um, I just think it gets in the way of telling the story. Is like, this guy is just way too good of a person. You know, we just need to see his flaws have more consequence, I guess. Is what, you know, because even the scandal goes away, and yeah, he resigns, but like he says, I thought it was kind of a cool line, he resigns, but he doesn't retire. You know, right. he just sort of goes underground, runs a non-profit, doesn't really try to make noise, and that I kind of liked about the character is just, like, he's driven to deal with the oil spill, you know, any way he can, even if, it ha- even if he has to be a functioning alcoholic at the moment, he still gets to work and, you know, makes the deals and does the stuff, and it would have been nice if he failed a little more often. Because he kind of runs into success the entire time, that the affair drives him from office and makes him resign. But from the beginning of the movie, you see Cage as this guy who gets things done. You know, he's in Congress, he's giving this impassioned speech, like, on some C-SPAN channel, essentially, and he has this, like, really tremendous heartfelt speech, and that seems to actually get things done. And everything that he's doing from then on out it's like he's sort of successful. And it's not necessarily like it takes all movie for him to actually sort of make real progress, but it's not like he's really encountering any roadblocks. Like, he's just really good at what he does. He's able to sort of beat the system and get things done. And it's sort of, again, like, it's it's cool to see him doing his thing, but I wish that there was more of a challenge that he had to go through. Today, I'm not a federal official. Today, I'm a resident of the Louisiana Gulf Coast. These fishermen... These restaurant owners, these, these folks who run the bait shops and the corner stores, the people I grew up with, the people my parents grew up with, people I look in the eye every single day, they've never asked for a handout in their lives. They've bled for this country. Their sons and daughters have bled for this country, and right now they need our help. They need firm commitments from BP and the government that will not just help them rebuild, but that will assure them we stand by their side, that we have their backs, just like they've had ours. Yeah, it just seems like for whatever level of a congressman he's at, it doesn't seem to be high enough to be getting away with everything, I guess, is my problem. Also, at times, I'm a little skeptical of like the media attention that he's drawing. Maybe that's just the filmmaker trying to make a comment. It's like whenever he has a victory, it's like this little byline in the paper, but whenever he's got the sex scandal, like there's a whole crowd outside of his house like waiting right. for him. And I, I don't know. It just feels like, oh, it's like a burden instead we're supposed to feel bad for him instead of it actually turning into something where why doesn't he go out there and like attack the media people like that would be great like get like a get off my lawn scene sure in this like something like that to make him 
come across like a monster on camera and like we know he just had like uh, an eruption a moment but he'll be vilified in the media and it's just missing little touches like that i think his buddy gets mad at him at one point because the woman he cheated with was african-american and he's like you Which know may, I, that, I don't i do not understand that i want to talk about that because i do not get that well i think that's again is just like pushing another point in the message that's just we don't have time to really explore this they're just shoving it in there where he's upset because he's african-american and he's like you talk about helping these fishermen and the poor men and like you go around and what like i don't know it makes it seems like he went behind his back and slept with a black girl like <laughs> i just didn't understand it that's why it felt sort of forced unnecessary like a diversion like i was saying earlier like it's enough that he just cheats on his wife but they make such a point to say you cheated on her with the wife of the fisherman that you talked to and not only that but she's black and it's like wait like why does it matter a who the person was that he slept with B, the fact that she was black. Like, I understand that there's still sort of racial unrest a little bit. And they have that line in there about how Cage is a white politician elected in an area that's mostly black. They say that even without any kind of scandal, he's representing a place that where it's hard for him to get elected or reelected. The fact that they're doting or they're paying so much attention to the race of the girl and who she was, and I didn't necessarily understand or follow why him sleeping with the wife of the fisherman even though he didn't know that i don't know it just all seemed like needlessly complicated whereas it's just like oh he cheated on his wife end of story yeah and what's even worse is that it's just sort of dropped and never referred to again for the rest of the film and during his rise back up you know like you'd think you know a reporter would ask him about you know whatever happened to are you still keeping it in your pants or whatever <laughs> But no, it's just like, we just need this incident to get us to a certain place in the story. And then once it's there, like, I mean, he ends up having like a pretty complex like relationship later on. But then that's not even treated like, well, what if the, you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't matter later when he's having an affair. You know what? I'm t- I don't know if we're getting too far ahead. <laughs> but like when he's going to run for Senate, his publicist you know, the lady that he ends up sleeping with is his publicist. They're both married. You know, he's not divorced and she's working it out with her husband and stuff. Right. But it's not like they're worried about getting caught. It feels, you know, it's just like some torrid love affair. I was confused about that, you know, because they're not like, oh, you slept with that cheerleader. What if they find out this and that? Or uh, I don't know. Did you get that sense? I don't know. I don't know a lot of why things happen in this movie. Mm-hmm. It feels like a lot of these things that sort of seem confusing. It feels like the writer-director has this like intimate knowledge of the way that either New Orleans works or the political world works and doesn't really do a good job of articulating it. He's sort of skipping steps to tell the story and leaving us sort of in the dark. And so I don't really have a lot of... I don't have an explanation for why a lot of things happen. I sort of get the gist, but I don't know what the big deal is. I, I don't know. It's 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 strange. Yeah, I, I think to me that's why I, I said it felt sort of like three half-hour episodes of some kind of miniseries, where like the first half-hour is his fall from power. His second half-hour is sort of living as like among the common people, right? Like doing his pro bono work. And then the last half-hour is his run for Senate, which is like episode 
three, and they feel as disjointed to me as like we took a week off to have this, you know, to wait and find out what happened. It's just strange the structure, the flow of this. I think, like we've been saying, it just it feels like they're trying to do too much or say too much. Where it could have worked perfectly fine if they had just stuck to one or two issues. They just cover too much, and that's the problem with it. I think you're right. Like the three act structure, like it sort of makes sense from afar. Like, when you're describing sort of this three different phases of his life, okay, like, it could work. But the way that the movie handles it or portrays it, it feels sort of, like, rushed and slow at the same time. It's hard to gauge, really, the lapse of time. It seems like a lot of things happen pretty close together, and then we just jump three months ahead. And then we jump nine months ahead. I don't think they do a great job of saying, you know, like, you sort of have to pick up context clues. And I'm not saying that I want everything laid out for me. But when you're trying to tell this many things in a 90-minute movie, lay out a little bit for me. <laughs> you know, don't make me do all the work. Like, give me a little bit to go on. You know what's weird to me, too, is I got the sense that this film is just kind of boring, too, <laughs> in a way. Like, <laughs> you know, there's no action, obviously. It's not that kind of film. But I'm not really intrigued. I'm just kind of following it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not invested ever at all, even though I cared and do care about that, you know, horrible BP oil spill. Uh, to this day, you know, I still haven't gone to VP gas station, even though supposedly the cheapest and best. <laughs> I guess I have some stance. But, like, I, it doesn't make me care anymore about what happened. And, you know, I want a film like this sort of, it reminds me of the fracking movie that came out a few years ago, No One Saw, but it had, like, John Krasinski and maybe Matt Damon was in it, too. Oh, what was that movie called? I don't know. And I even think I saw that movie. It was a Gus Van Sant film? Promise Land. Promise It was Land. Gus Van Sant. Yeah, okay. that was a good movie. But yeah, that was also like a... That was better than this, I think, yes. by a yes. lot. Well, that's, my, that's what I'm saying. It, it's a similar genre where it's like this environmental message movie. You know, it's whatever. But there's ways to do it where you're telling a story and it's part of the backdrop. You know what I'm saying? where it's about people's small town lives, you know, something more like what if this was Joe by the water, you know, if it was if we were just following Cage and the local fishermen the whole time, it would have been pretty fantastic. You would have just seen them, you know, scrubbing the fish and the sea life and the kids wading in the dirty oil water and stuff. But there's really none of that in here. It's just much more concerned with this white upper class politician's struggles with his marriage which is kind of strange that we're getting there like i'm losing the propaganda like and it's weird i'm starting to miss it i'm like let's get back to (laughs) making that part of the story because now i'm stuck in some marriage counseling the other thing is that it's just not visually interesting to look at you know what i mean like this is almost a movie that you don't need to watch what's going on you can just hear the dialogue there's nothing here to grab me i mean you're right about the storytelling but also just the visuals. Like nothing about this is like this is a movie that you need to see. That it's fine. Like I don't think it's necessarily bad. I don't know that it's. It's just kind of you. Like the word you used before was right. Like it's just kind of boring. There's nothing to hook you really in any regard. And it's funny how what they're pulling from, like that sort of House of Cards dynamic, where this is sort of dire straits how well it works in House of Cards and stuff and, you know, how it's sort of a misstep here just goes to show that there's ways to do this. You know, if they had sort of looked for their own groove and tried to tell it their own way, maybe it would have been more refreshing to watch 
for this to unfold. But I feel like instead, just because, you know, whatever, maybe they also looked at a lot of Aaron Sorkin stuff, you know, West Wing things or, you know, who knows, all the political stuff. I just feel like if they had gone their own way, maybe they would have found something more original. I don't know. There's one thing that really bugged me in the middle of the movie, and I guess it's sort of original in a sense, but it's not original in the way that I want it to be. Cage announces or decides that he's going to resign, and it's sort of amplified by the fact that his wife tells him, basically, if you resign, I'm leaving you. And yet, he still decides to resign. And so he goes to give his speech at this press conference, and I'm like, all right, here it is. Like, this is going to be the great Cage moment. He's got a really good speech at the beginning. He's got a really good speech at the end. Like, this is the one in the middle. Like, this is the one that, you know, I'm sorry for what I did. I still love this town. I'm still committed to this town, whatever. And he says, like, one word, and then we just fade to black. Like, this powerful moment that I wrote down the timestamp, I was like, all right, here's going to be a great clip to pull. Like, this is it. Like, this is Cage's moment in this movie. And then we get nothing. And I was like, come on. Like, every other movie, I feel, would have seen that speech. If Aaron Sorkin was writing it, he would be salivating at that kind of thing. If Frank Underwood was giving that speech, like, this is something they would show, that they would build up an episode toward. But instead here, they're like, you you know what he's going to say, right? Like, we just don't need to say it. I get that, but also I want that. I want to see what he says. The moments you're most behind this movie and most invested in this character is when he's giving these speeches. Whether they're to Congress or to this, you know, dock or this warehouse full of people at the end while he's campaigning, these are the moments. And I know that they're sort of a little bit, in a sense, cliche, but they work. Because, like, Cage is selling it, I think. He's giving these speeches, he's feeling the words, He's passionate about it, you know, either as an actor, as a person, as a character, whatever. He's behind the words. Here, it's just like, no, we're just not going to give you that. And it's like, why? Why not? Like, why can't we have even like a minute long or two minutes long, whatever, just give me something here. It's frustrating. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I, I actually, at that moment, sort of threw my hands up like, oh, cock tease, like scene missing. <laughs> like, what's going on here? I, I thought of Tobin when we were watching Sorcerer's Apprentice, and they sort of just gloss over these, you know, supposedly really meaningful moments. They just feel like they're just sidelined by whimsy and stuff. And, and I'm like, oh, they're kind of doing the same thing here. They don't really know how to make this movie, like how to tell this story properly. This is the good stuff. Like, his speeches in this movie are like as close as you're going to get to action sequences you know like like it's the only time it really comes alive and shows any energy is and it's all through cage and just like his character's passion and you know he even again starts crying i think at one point while he's giving a speech in this movie and stuff so to not have it here is just it's it's a wrong move you know like it's just they drop the ball wholeheartedly and and i wonder why too because like you said like it is a it, it is one of those frank moments right like well he he just addressed the audience too, you know, like it's just a moment where the filmmaker can get away with breaking the fourth wall in sort of a clean way by just like addressing the audience. It's so like, yeah, I was disappointed. Because at the end, like his last speech, Cage is looking right at the camera like he's talking to us, you know, mm-hmm. it's exactly like it's such an easy way to break the fourth wall. and He just doesn't. And I don't know why. And actually, I thought of you while I was watching this movie when we were talking about Outcast. You're like, I forgot how much I missed Action Cage. Like, here, I was just like, man, I wish he would just do something, or, like, I wish he would just get to his speech. Like, there needs to be a moment, because so much of this movie is him just talking to people about, not even, like, about politics or about things, just, like, about what to do. Like, they're sort of reacting. Like, it's not like a walk-and-talk like Sorkin does. There's no heft to it. It's just like, oh, your numbers are down, like, things are bad, or 
your numbers are up. You should run. I just, <laughs> I just want something. Whatever it is, just pick something. Have something happen. Just less conversations and more something, anything. Yeah, I think the issue might be it's, like, not fictional enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're trying yeah. to treat it too much like it's real, where it's, like, it, they need to drift into adaptation land in this third act, where, like, he really needs to get, like, his hands dirty or uncover some kind of plot about the oil company and be running for his life or embroiled in some kind of conspiracy. I don't know. You know, I don't really know if he, you know, maybe just put him on a fishing boat in the second act and let him, you know, that's where he goes after he retires from politics. He actually becomes one of the fishermen. Like, he could fight a storm in the second act at some point, like Lieutenant Dan. Like, it would be cool. (laughs) It would be something. It would be interesting and it wouldn't be boring. Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe it's not necessarily, I don't know how to, I don't know how to phrase this, but like maybe it's not necessarily the script's fault or the movie's fault, even though in a sense it still kind of is. I think the problem might be that everybody he's talking to for the most part is just kind of boring. That whether it's his wife and his wife's okay, whether it's the BP guy and he's okay, whether it's Sarah Paul's and she's okay, like, early on in the movie, when he's talking to the fisherman, sort of out in the field, learning from him, when he's talking to that woman from the Coast Guard, and I don't know if you recognized her, but she's back from Bad Lieutenant. She was a cop. I think she was one of the ones in the evidence locker who was dropping off evidence and Cage, like okay. some of the drugs that Cage was skimming. So she's back from that. When he's talking to her, when he's talking to the fisherman at the beginning of the movie, I don't know if it's the actors doing it, or I don't know if it's the way it's written, or just the way it's shot. Those are more interesting, sort of compelling scenes. Everything else is just, like, paperwork, you know what I mean? They're just sort of doing the things they need to do, taking off the boxes to get to the next scene, and there's no, like, heart to it. Yeah, it's just bureaucracy. (laughs) It's just, like you said, like, paper pushing and favor calling in and things like that. They kind of, again, the stuff with his wife, like, I was kind of interested in that dynamic there. There was a very strange sort of power pull going on, and I think that's one of the things that was working for this film. They kind of dropped that for most of it, too. He, he gets involved with another woman. So, I don't know, every time I'm sort of, like, think there's something going on, the movie is not interested with it anymore. It kind of <laughs> drops it. It's kind of bizarre in that manner, and, like, yeah, it just keeps leading on, leading on. And I think the frustrating part about the wife, aside from the fact that they kind of abandon her as a character is that the relationship here is so much like Frank and Claire on House of Cards that she, on House of Cards, Claire holds the power, you know what I mean? She's the one who really is the driving force. Like, Kevin Spacey and Frank Underwood, you know, he knows what he's doing, he's good at his job, but it's Claire who's this, like, motivated person who keeps pushing Frank. Here, it seems like it could be that kind of thing, but before they really dive into it and, you know, spend enough time to make it interesting... They're just like, oh, we're moving on, you know, she's leaving him, and now he's going to another woman. And it's like, oh, okay, like, you were just about to make her sort of an interesting character. I mean, she's not, like, a great character, but I think she's sort of better than average for Cage Club. Mm -hmm. And she's even got a great speech at the end, sort of a great, almost closing voiceover about great men. And then the whole voiceover is about, like, why Cage is good, and, you know, sort of talking about, like, men in general. But I feel like they gave her a little bit more to work with than a lot of other women in Cage Club we've seen lately. You've always been a decent man, Colin. But that's not why I married you. I married you because I knew you had it in you to be a great man. And great men, men who build legacies, they aren't always decent. My attorney, George Lippert. They understand that people... They need someone to tell them what to remember. 
and what to forget. They need great men to insulate them from frailty. What's good, what's bad. Because only great men know how to make people's powerlessness tolerable. Just like they're so close to making her interesting, and then just abandon her, and it kind of sort of makes sense for the story. But when you're making a movie like this, don't just about set things up. Like you were saying, I think the word, you know, teasing it. Take that extra step and just make things interesting and see where that goes. Yeah, it feels just like a bunch of start and stops. Like we're going to restart the movie a lot of times. Whereas I feel like a, a good movie would run with something and like make it last the entire story and like with the wife there's absolutely no reason for her to fall out of the picture when they separate like i thought she was going to come back and sort of represent the oil company and be the one that donated the money and was going to sort of talk them into running under her money kind of thing but no nope (laughs) (laughs) they have the guy the bp oil lobbyist comes back into the picture and she's sort of orchestrated the meeting between cage and him but it would have just been so much more interesting to make her that character now you know like you've moved on i've moved on and look now we're sort of adversaries but like through business and stuff and politics like we can work it out but our marriage and you know all that kind of stuff is over but we have to work together like i thought that would have been interesting i gave this movie too much credit in hoping (laughs) that's where it was going and yeah i was quite disappointed you know it's sticking too close it's too scared to be fictional Right? Like, that's just where I feel this movie is stuck. Yeah, even though it's not necessarily based on a real person, it feels like, it almost feels like it has the same problems that the adaptations from books that we've been watching, you know what I mean? Those sort of things, it has the same problems there, that it's sticking too close to the source material, even though in this case there necessarily isn't any source material. So, I don't know, it's a weird sort of hesitation move. It's strange and not great. I mean, not bad, but just not great. Is there anything else? I mean, I know we sort of skipped a lot of it. We didn't really talk about too much. But, like, looking at my notes for the movie, there's not a whole lot I want to talk about. I mean, there's a couple quick things I can mention. But were there any other, like, major themes or plots or points or people that you wanted to talk about that we didn't Um, talk about yet? Peter Fonda is back. Sure. Playing his father. And dies. And dies. And looks kind of like he could be Cage's father in this movie. The one vibe I got from him was maybe Peter Fonda could have played Cage's role in Dying of the Light. I don't know, perhaps. That's just sort of a look I got from him. That whole thread was just, it just felt pointless in a lot of ways. Like, his dad was the mayor of New Orleans? Like, what? Okay. They go into a couple heart-to-hearts about the public has, like, a selective memory. You know, they remembered this one thing and then everything after that they forgot, and that's all I'm remembered for, and Cage doesn't want to be remembered for one bad thing he wants to be remembered for one good thing something that's what i got from it there's a lot of that going on in there that wasn't necessarily necessary i thought maybe it would have been more interesting if his father the former mayor was already deceased and he had more of a legacy to live up to as opposed to just giving him another thing like when his father dies it's like okay you know what i mean (laughs) like it just doesn't really carry that much weight like it needs to just feels sort of tagged on and that's unfortunate like a plot point like that deserves better that's probably the major one that i was thinking about the only real good moment i think that peter fonda being in this movie leads to is there's a conversation that they have about a third of the way through the movie and cage i don't know if he's asking his dad for advice or his dad just giving advice peter fonda you know describes this idea and he sort of says how he would have done it 
And then Cage just reacts. He's like, yeah, well, I'm not going to do it that way. You know, he, he's not into it. He doesn't want to hear it. He doesn't agree with it. Well, my advice, fuck him. Fuck the party. Fuck the administration. Hell, fuck the people. This spill will be over soon. They'll forgive you. Just got to fight through it like a man. <laughs> Something funny about what I said? Like a man? We're in the middle of a disaster here. People are suffering. I can't even leave my house. I've already left these people out to dry. This ain't about you doing your job. This of course not. It was never about that for you. I was the best mayor this city ever had. And then you lost again and again. Why are you here? Why is he here? It's like, oh, okay, so he's just going to sort of go about his own way, and he's like this good guy. But, like, that's already sort of a gist that we got. You know, like, we didn't necessarily need that. I think having a more mythic figure that looms over him, as opposed to this guy who kind of does that, but does so more from the background, it's just a strange decision. Yeah, and the worst part is that it just keeps us away from the oil spill stuff. I feel like the movie does this big thing in the first act of setting up oil spill, oil spill thing, and then that whole second act, 40 minutes, is just like not really about that. It's just about this relationship with his publicist. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? And then in the end, they just kind of cram it back, like, oh, you're getting popular. You should run for Senate because the senator was caught in a sex scandal. People don't remember any uh, like, all this stuff. You know, uh, rush, 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 because like we forgot to tell this part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of how I'm taking it. And I'm, I'm just going like, yeah, like, why couldn't this just be more closer to home, I guess? And, like, I think it feels like it's close to home because with all that setup, but it just doesn't feel like it pays off in the end. It just, I think that's why it falls flat and feels shoved in there is because it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, like, the oil <laughs> was a tragedy, you know? <laughs> like, I almost expected text at the end. This much amount of wildlife was destroyed the day, the, you know. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, some end crawl text been like, this was an event that really happened. Don't <laughs> shop at BP. I don't know. I do like that he was not only running for Senate, but also run- running throughout the entire movie. He was the runner in more than one way. Yes. Very obvious, but I still like when, you know, you're like, what does the title mean? It's like, oh, every time I wrote down run, I just wrote it in all capital letters. I'm like, he's running. He's on a Senate run. He wants to run for Senate. He shaves in this movie. Almost. Once again. Almost. Almost. He, well, he, yeah, he, he lathers his face. I loved it. I was like, oh, he's going to shave. And I was like, they don't even show him shaving, man. No speech, no shaving. <laughs> he compromises Sarah Paulson, who is his consultant from Washington, D.C. Even though that seems like they get along really well, neither of them are divorced when they're having this little affair. Except it's not really an affair. I mean, it's kind of an affair, whatever. But then she's like, oh, I'm going to try to work out with my husband. And then Keith's like, oh, what? Well, okay. And then she's just gone from the movie. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. That was just like, I laughed. I was like, <laughs> what in the world? All this, like, I know she mentioned she had kids and stuff, but then, like, yeah, never mind. <laughs> she's got that. I just don't even want to mention that. Also, what's weird is that he calls herself and or calls her office or whatever to get in touch with her because he needs help or he wants to talk to her. And then she doesn't answer. And so he looks her up. He calls operator. He calls information. And he has it connected to her house. And she's like, why are you calling me at home? And it's like, you guys have a professional relationship. Like, it's not weird that this guy that you're consulting for, I don't think, you know what I mean? Like, I understand that she's freaked out because she's now with her husband, and this is the guy she's been sleeping with. There's, like, justification. Like, if her husband's like, oh, who is that? Be like, oh, you know, it was that 
politician from New Orleans that I've been consulting for. Like, she freaks out about this thing, and I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought it was strange, too. It was, like, right after his dad died, so I felt like it would have been totally fine for him to call her house. And even right. if the husband picked up, would have been like, oh, it's it's him for you, you know? <laughs> it's nothing suspicious at all. And she is so nervous about <laughs> yeah. it. Well, it's movie night, and they're just about to start it, so, you know, she didn't want to miss the and opening he, credits. He's into her so much that he tells her, I would pick you over running for office, like... If not running for Senate means that we get to be together, like, I'm okay with that. And she's like, I'm going to work out with my husband. Like, whatever. That's just just weird. I like that somebody tells Cage that he, he tells Cage, he's like, I've heard you've been rattling some cages over at BP. And just whenever the word cage is used in the movie, <laughs> just got to love it. Oh, there's one other thing I wanted to ask you about. After his dad dies, after he sort of has that fight with his wife and just like, you know, I want you out of my life. Don't come back after the surgery. He gets like a lighter. And he's, like, looking at this lighter in his car. He's got these, like, crazy eyes. You remember this scene? What is that about? That's his dad's personal effects. His dad's lighter. They showed him try to light a cigarette with it once. (laughs) So (laughs) I didn't expect it to carry that much significance. But, like, he pulls it out and, like, lights it and just, like, starts to break down, right? I don't know why that carried so much weight for him. Super weird. He also tries to kill himself in this movie, which is kind of crazy, that he gets into his car and goes to, I guess, his house, right, where his wife still lives, and he doesn't live anymore, and drives through the gate and then into their garage door, kind of tries to kill himself, but isn't successful. It's just, it's strange. I didn't think he was trying to kill himself. What I got was his gate opener wasn't working so she must have like changed the code or gotten a new sensor oh, okay yeah, yeah so he's been drinking i guess or you know that's what i took it as and rammed the gates and yeah crashes into the garage and opens up the airbag that's all i've got for the runner it's on netflix i believe it's easy to find if you want to watch it there are better political thrillers. Like, if you're on Netflix, just watch the pilot for House of Cards, I would say, instead, and sort of go from there. But that's sort of my take on it. Any last thoughts? Anything that we didn't talk about you want to talk about? It? Any last opinions about the movie? You know, at first watching it, I was like, uh, I didn't want to sit down and just get politics drilled into my head for an hour and a half. But after that first half hour and all the politics disappeared, I was kind of like, man, I wish I was getting politics drilled into my head for the next hour here because this stuff is not happening for me. It just kind of it's just boring and I don't know uninteresting and I would have rather they just kept it as like a political thriller like maneuvers through Washington intrigue scandal and stuff but it just I don't know I just it just becomes like I don't know where it goes it just becomes hard for me to follow I don't really like what happens and yeah it's just not one of the better movies for me. I was sort of frustrated that after I thought Dying in the Light would be, at, would, like, you know, would feature Cage as a lawyer, he is sort of a lawyer, at least in the middle of the movie, and we never see him, like, in court or doing anything. He's just running a non-profit. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to see him in a Western, you want to see him as a pirate, I want to see him as, like, a really impassioned lawyer. We haven't, we haven't had a lawyer Cage yet, have we? Really? Like, in a courtroom? No, no, not that I could, no, not to my recollection, and yeah, I'd love to see him in some freaking hot-ass courtroom in the middle of the summer sweating his ass off, like, he in his <laughs> case, or anywhere in a courtroom. It could be in the north, doesn't have to be in the south. I don't want to burst your bubble, but I feel like we're much more likely, especially at this point in his career, to have lawyer Cage mm-hmm. than pirate opposite Johnny Depp Cage. <laughs> 
Like, I, he could absolutely play, you know, just get something really well written, make him the defense attorney. He's got to go up against some fiery young prosecutor trying to make his case, and he just, in the, in the end, win or lose, Cage is your guy. Like, you've got to love him because he puts it all on the line for his client. we got to write that movie. I want Cage as a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely see that, you know? I mean, and they should have just had him in the courtroom for an hour in this movie. It would have been a much better film. Alas, they did not. No. So we've only got one more Cage Club movie before we're officially, for now anyway, caught up. It's Pay the Ghost. It's not in New Orleans. It actually takes place in New York. So that's kind of a change, because I feel like the last eight or ten movies (laughs) we've watched have all been in New Orleans, or at least shot in New Orleans, even if they're supposed to take place elsewhere. That's it. We're almost caught up with Cage Club. So it's a weird time and a weird sort of, you know, we, we kind of did it. Yeah, it hasn't really sunk in yet. It's sort of hard to <laughs> believe we're close to the finish line for now. Cage has not finished making movies. He's going to keep releasing films in 2016 and beyond, so we'll be back with some of those as they're released. We've got plenty more to do in terms of other stuff, so Cage Club's not going away, but it's weird to almost have seen, come this time next week, or when you're listening to this in two days, we will have seen every movie that Nicolas Cage has ever made. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> Even once he hasn't been in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good old welcome to Hollywood. So anyway, last thoughts, are we, are we good? Yeah, I'm, I'm good with the runner. So for all things Cage, you can go to cageclub.me. You can read our reviews, find past podcasts, follow us on Twitter, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Everything you want about Nicolas Cage over at cageclub.me. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time on Cage Club. Mm-hmm.